we are often told, God loves you. But what does that really mean? That some impersonal force, galaxies away, may consider you from time to time? Or that you are a single drop in a vast ocean of humanity and God cares for all of it? There are billions of lives, billions of stories. Can we really believe he has great destinies planned for all of them? Surely the ruler of the universe has more important affairs than to notice the needs of one singular individual. But hear this, nothing could be further from the truth. When God says, I love you, it means that he crafted every detail of your being. Your every feature is his perfect design. His mind perceives your worries and your thoughts. His heart is broken by your pain. You are his child, created in his image. Your value exceeds all the riches of earth. Your worth extends beyond the stars. And though you may be unaware, he's carefully constructing the events of your life to build his kingdom. If you are willing, he can and will achieve wonders through your hands. It is the deepest passion, the most meaningful promise. It is your security, your hope, and your future. It is the truth beyond doubt. God loves you. Good morning. We want to welcome you to Collegedale Community Church. We're so glad that each of you are able to be here. We also want to welcome those who are online watching. We're glad that you're able to view this whenever you're watching it. Uh, it's good to see each of you here today. It's a little bit rainy today, right? So it doesn't just happen that you show up today when there's rain. We know that sometimes that takes a little bit of extra effort, but it's fall in Tennessee, and many of us have forgotten that really what fall is in Tennessee is a lot of rain. So thanks for just making the best of it, coming out, enjoying some time here to worship together. We want to give you guys an opportunity to turn to someone next to you, smile, and let them know that you're glad to see them here today. Just give a welcome to those who are next to you. good to see the smiles and to hear the joy. Once again, so glad that you're able to worship with us today. Before we begin our, our worship service today, we just want to go highlight just a few announcements uh, today. First of all, the, the main announcement, this is like the one announcement that if you hear it, you'll get all the rest of them, and that's to look at the bulletin. 
Uh, you probably were headed, handed one of these as you came in. If you're watching online, you can get an online version of this. You're gonna find a lot of different opportunities about different things that are going on. So we encourage you to check out your bulletin. Two things we wanna highlight today though, is uh, first of all, next Friday evening at 7 p.m., we're having a communion service. If you've never had a chance to come out and experience uh, communion here within this community, um, it's a real treat. I think it's something that you would enjoy a lot and would be very worth your time. So that takes place this Friday evening, right here at 7 p.m. We wanna invite you to come out to that communion service. Uh, another announcement that we wanna highlight is that on Sunday, November 7, from four to six, we're going to be having an earthquake drill. That's right, right here in our church, an earthquake drill. This is the new one for us. We have a um, disaster response team uh, from our church and community. And in order for them to be best prepared for the different things that go on, they need to run certain drills. And so they are looking for 30 victims. I don't know if you've ever felt like a victim before or if you have a child who feels like they're a victim all the time. This is a perfect time. We need you. So we need 30 victims to come here and to probably be strewn about and lay around the church and to have people working with you, running through a few different disaster situations. If you've been feeling at home like maybe someone's not giving you enough attention, this would be a perfect time for you to come and get some TLC from our very own disaster relief team. So if you wanna do that, you'll find in your bulletin, you can contact Jim Ingersoll. Um, just contact him by this Wednesday if you can. And um, what, you'll, what you'll do if you've ever been part of something like this, You'll have a good time. You'll share some laughs. And in the, in the process of it, you'll help, um, you'll help this team be prepared for when real disaster does strike. So I want to let you know about that. That might be something that you want to participate in. We also wanted to highlight um, that we do want to continue to remind you that, of the opportunity to worship through giving. Um, while we don't collect that anymore, uh, there's receptacles as you exit the sanctuary today where you can drop your tithe envelopes into if you want to, or if you're watching online or prefer to, you can also give online. Uh, but we want to make sure that you know about that opportunity to worship. With that said, for all who are able to, we want to invite you to kneel as we um, start our worship service with prayer. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity to be here, Lord, where we can be with a place that's dry, it's warm, we see smiles around us, perhaps we see old friends or new friends. Uh, Lord, there's something energizing and wonderful about being able to be connected to a spiritual community. And we experience that when we're in the same building as many of us are here right now. I know others are watching online, and, and still it's a joy to realize that from wherever they're at, they're connecting with something bigger than themselves. And so, Lord, we thank you for the gift of church, the idea that we can come and gather together and be reaffirmed not just with truth, Lord, but collective agreement on this truth. And so thank you for that opportunity. Lord, I know that there's many different things on our hearts here. Uh, some of us have different concerns for ourselves. I know many people are looking for direction. They just want to know what to do. Lord, so many of us have committed our way to you and we want to honor and serve you. And yet in the midst of life, it can be confusing sometimes to know which direction to go or when to go there. Uh, for those who are in that moment, Lord, I just wanna ask Lord, that you could reassure them uh, that you're most pleased that they want to honor you and that you'll work everything out. Father, I know others are praying for, for family, for friends, for coworkers people that they know, different situations. Lord, you know what each of them are. Some are praying for healing. 
Some are praying for relationships to, to be mended. Some are praying for um, financial situations. Lord, some are struggling with spiritual issues right now, Lord, and they want to be set free. Father, um, collectively, we come together and we lay these burdens at your feet because we know that you're a God who cares. And we thank you for consistently showing us that you love us and you care for us. So Lord, now as we turn our attention to this worship and this praise of you, we just ask that as we sing songs together, Lord, that these songs would rise up to you as a sweet chorus in heaven, as these prayers would come up like incense before you. And as Pastor Jerry shares a message today, Lord, may we hear your words in our hearts. And our prayer, Lord, is that we can leave this place with a greater understanding of your will for our lives and your love for us. And so we ask all of these things in the name of your precious son, Jesus. Amen. morning. In 3 John verse 4, it says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. For thousands of years, parents have brought their children to be dedicated to the Lord. Beautiful symbolism of giving the child to, to God, acknowledging that he is the father of the baby, but also the parents committing to raise the child to the glory of God and the church community to support that. Today, Luna Mae Francica will be dedicated. She was born October 28, 2020. Her parents are Yvonne and Junior Francica, and uh, Luna Mae has a brother and a sister. We're going to invite them up at this time. All right, now I need you children to help me. This is your sister's baby dedication certificate. Which one of you wants to hold that? that? That, that'll be you, okay. This is a card to the family. Which one of you wants to hold this? Would that be you? Fantastic. And Luna Mae, you want to hold that already, don't you? Look at it's got her name, her birth date, and the dedication date. And uh, this is her quilt. We'll open it up. She gets to be the very first one to see it. You like it, don't you? <laughs> Look at that smile. Oh, that's beautiful. This is what it looks like. These are handmade by ladies in the church, prayed over, not just for her, but for you guys, because they know life is hard, and they want you to know that when you hit a, a stretch and it's very difficult and painful, know there are people here that care for you, and, and they love you, and you're always, always welcome here. Yeah. Now, you have family that are here, We'd like to invite them to stand up. 
and we want to invite the rest of you to stand up. We'll have a dedication prayer. Then the musicians will lead us in the dedication song, which we invite all of you to join in with. Father in heaven, we thank you for this beautiful family. It must warm your heart to see this. And as Luna May is being dedicated today, we pray that it'll be just the beginning of a great experience with you. Please bless her mother and father and brother and sister. May they all do their part to help Luna May have the life you've ordained for her. We pray, Heavenly Father, that she will be prosperous, wise, and walk a holy life, a holy line. And uh, of course, we pray more than anything, Lord, that this family intact will be ready to meet you in peace when you come in the clouds. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing. Blessings be upon you, precious Let's give that young family a round of applause.
Thank you for joining us. Uh, our last song this morning is How Great Is Our God. join me. Uh, we will be singing special music.
atmosphere is changing Nothing stays the same Heaven is waiting For the mention of the name Spirit is moving Burning like a flame Healing the broken By the one we proclaim Raise it up Feel the sky Chains will fall Mountains move We lift him high Speak the name The name above of shame miracles unfolding at the mention of your name now darkness is fleeing mercy rain down healing waters flowing as our lips make a sound raise it up fill the sky
Thank you, ladies. Very beautiful, very powerful, very moving. I'd like to begin by praying for you. Father in heaven, you are our rock. You are our strength. You are our wisdom. You are our God. And we humble ourselves before you. We bow before you. We long to be in your living, holy presence, learning from you. We are your children, the sheep of your pasture. You are our Father. You are our shepherd. We pray that you will be the one who instructs us, teach us, show us your path, and by your grace, may we walk it. We pray that today, as we open your word, miracles will take place. Our lives will be changed, and we thank you and pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Our Bible study today is Matthew chapter 7. We're continuing our series in the life of Jesus. We've been here at the Sermon on the Mount for a good while. We'll be reading six verses. Scholars say that Matthew 7 is divided into two sections. It's about relationships first section about our relationship with each other, and then the next section about our relationship with God. Jesus says in Matthew 7, verses 1 through 6, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye but do not consider the plank in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck out of your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Let's go to chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. The word in the Greek is krino, K-R-I-N-O. And it runs a spectrum. It means many things, and so you have to check it in its context to get a clear understanding. It can mean everything from discernment on the positive to disgust on the negative. It includes prejudging or prejudice. It includes condemnation. It includes attitudes of superiority. In church, we see it manifested by people comparing themselves with each other, a selfish, narrow criticism that creates a self-centered, judging attitude and creates some to be nothing more than petty spies thinking themselves better than others. Jesus is against that. When we go to verse 2, it says, For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. 
This is kind of the boomerang effect. What you do to others will come back to you. The person who has a judgmental attitude estranges themselves from others. It hinders the spirit of fellowship and creates a reaction of judgment in return. We've all seen that. <clears throat> We've seen people who are very critical of other folks. Over time, they become the target of criticism themselves. When it says measured back to you, it's the identical phrase in the Greek as in Matthew 6:33, when it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. It comes back, it's added to you. So Jesus says, don't do it. It has bad, bad ramifications. Verse three through five, Jesus says, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck out of your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. So Jesus is identifying the actions and thoughts of a hypocrite. They see the fault in others, but not in themselves. Then you come to verse 6, and verse 6 almost seems to be out of place, but actually it's not as we shall see. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn and tear you in pieces. We come to the discerning part of judgment. There's thought that is taking place. Well, what is holy? Who are dogs? What are pearls? And uh, who are swine? And when are we supposed to leave them alone? That requires discernment. Now, our study today will seek to find balance. Balance between the discernment on the positive side, disgust on the other side. First, we're going to look at it through the experience of prejudice. We, uh, we all look at people, size them up, and unfortunately, we make judgments. Jesus does not want us to do that. A number of weeks ago, a friend of mine sent this to me, anticipating this very passage. It goes like this. His name was Bubba. He was from Mississippi, and he needed a loan. So he walked into a bank in New York City and asked for the loan officer. He told the loan officer that he was going to Paris for an international redneck festival for two weeks and needed to borrow $5,000 and that he was not a depositor of the bank. The bank officer told him that the bank would need some form of security for the loan. So the redneck handed him the keys to a new Ferrari. The car was parked on the street in front of the bank. The redneck produced the title and everything checked out. The loan officer agreed to hold the car as collateral for the loan and apologized for having to charge 12% interest. Later, the bank's president and its officers all enjoyed a good laugh at the redneck from the South for using a $250,000 Ferrari as collateral for a $5,000 loan.
An employee of the bank then drove the Ferrari into the bank's private underground garage and parked it. Two weeks later, the redneck returned, repaid the $5,000 and the interest of $23.07. The loan officer said, Sir, we are very happy to have had your business, and this transaction has worked out very nicely, but we are a little puzzled. While you were away, we checked you out on Dun and Bradstreet and found that you are a distinguished alumni from Ole Miss University, a highly sophisticated investor and a multimillionaire with real estate and financial interests all over the world. Your investments include a large number of wind turbines around Sweetwater, Texas. What puzzles us is why would you bother to borrow $5,000? The good old boy replied, where else in New York City can I park my car for two weeks for $23.07? His name was Bubba. We can judge so quickly sometimes, not see who a person really is. There's another aspect as we look at this crino, this judging. That is the aspect of condemning. And we'll go to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. And we're looking at verses 10 through 13. There was trouble at the church in Rome. Some believed one diet, some believed another. Some believed certain days to worship, others didn't think they were necessary, and it was causing a conflict within the congregation. Paul writes about it and says this in verse 10, <clears throat> Why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? <clears throat> for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God, so that each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. So despising and judging fellow Christians is a very very grievous sin. And uh, especially when Paul is making the point that all of us are going to answer for our own decisions before God. No one else. And God is not going to ask any one of us our opinion about another person. He's got it. It's his. In church, people People can be mean, and people can attribute religious and spiritual things to issues that aren't, and ratchet them up to God wars. And Paul is saying, look, back off, back off. Quit condemning, quit judging, quit writing people off. It's not your job. Seek to live your life so you're not an offense to them, but get off their backs. Quit thinking you're better 
wiser or a more wonderful Christian. Just stop it. I think we all get that. That critical tongue that rips and tears, no place for it. There's no place for it. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time there because I know you understand that. But what about discerning? Are we as Christians allowed to make judgments about the behavior or beliefs of other people? Let me reread re, 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 that. Are we as Christians allowed to make judgments about the behavior or beliefs of other people? Ask a large group of people, especially young people, and they will tell you, no, we're not allowed to. Well, if not, it is impossible to have doctrines. It is impossible to have morality. If indeed, we are not allowed to make judgments about behavior or beliefs, then diversity, pluralism, and tolerance will have to be the church's only values. And tolerance becomes the idol of the day. Is everything acceptable to God? Is everyone acceptable to God? And should the church's position be that? Yeah, it's true. Jesus is certainly against hypercritical judgments, quick condemnations, careless fault-finding. He's against all that. And he's telling us we need to study our own heart. We get that. But what about discernment? Is it all right to have discernment? Look at Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, beginning with verse 54. Then he, that's Jesus, also said to the multitudes, when you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately, immediately you say, a shower is coming. And so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, there will be hot weather. And there is hypocrites. You can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it you do not discern this time? Your Savior, your Messiah is standing right in front of you. How do you not know that? Yes, and why, even of yourselves, do you not judge what is right? They were to judge. They were to judge what is right. When you go with your, well, I don't need to go any farther, excuse me. Yes, and why, even of yourselves, do you not judge what is right? For those scholars among us, the word krino is used in that verse, the identical Greek word, when Jesus says, judge not. He's saying to judge here. You must look at it in its context and look at the multiple meanings of the word in order to understand what Jesus means. John chapter 7, verse 24. In John chapter 7, verse 24. 
Jesus says, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Are we supposed to judge? How? With righteous judgment. He says, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. There is a judgment that God wants us to participate in. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out of the world. <clears throat> we are not to believe everything. We are to test it. We are to test the spirits. How do you test the spirits? You test them by what is true. The ability and responsibility to make perceptive and thoughtful distinctions between various behaviors and ideas is not only gifted to us by God, it's demanded of us by God. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, they were told not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They did, and you know that story. And as we get to the end of the chapter, God says, because they now know good and evil, they can no longer dwell here. They're kicked out of the garden, and uh, angels with flaming swords block the way. They can't get back in. What does it mean to know good and evil? Well, what it actually means in the Hebrew is not that, oh, now I understand, oh, that's bad, and now I understand this is good. It means this. It means that they think they can determine what's good. They think they can determine what's evil. They've become God. Only God has the right to declare what's good. Only God has the right to declare what's evil. He is God. And we humble ourselves to the reality of that. And modern man does not want to do that. Modern man wants to think and determine what is good. Modern man wants to determine what is evil. And so many times you'll see things flipped. What used to be evil is now good and vice versa. Man thinking himself to be God. What's the church to do? What's a Christian to do? Just smile and love everybody and move on? Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. How are we going to test the spirits? You, you may be a young person here today, and I'm thrilled that you're here. Your truth doesn't matter one whit. It's God's truth that matters. You may be an older person, and I'm glad that you're here. Your truth doesn't matter one whit. What God's truth is, is what matters. You may be young, you may be old, let me tell you, your opinion doesn't matter. God's opinion is what matters. And we are in a society right now that is trying to be so foolish as to make us believe two plus two does not equal four. There is a truth 
there is a wrong. There is clear truth found in God's Word. And that's where we go to discern right and wrong. I'd like for you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul is writing a letter to a young pastor named Timothy. He's trying to encourage him in his work. And he identifies what his work is and the struggle that there will be. In 2 Timothy 4 verse 1, he says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Now he predicted something. I believe we are now living in the day that he predicted. Verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Fables. Now, let's say your issue is A, B, C, whatever that is. Google it you'll find people that support your position. Google it. You'll find conventions that support your position. Go there. You'll find friends that support your position. Everywhere you turn, you can find people who will teach what you want to hear. You'll find it. But it's a collective ride in a bus headed to hell. What we need is the Word of God. We need what God has to say. There is a truth, Paul says. People need to hear it. The ones who don't want to hear it, they'll gather. They'll gather together. They'll gather teachers. They may be very persuasive in their arguments and things, but if it's not consistent with the Word of God, these are the spirits you are to depart from. Now, this idea that Paul talks about itching ears, heaping up for themselves teachers, this is what's happening in our day. And the Bible is against the spirit of our age. The spirit of our age tells us not to judge. You have to accept everyone under any condition in any way. The spirit of the age is to be open-minded, to accept anything and everything, ultimately making an idol out of diversity. The Bible condemns rash, harsh, unjust, uncharitable, and needless judgments. We all get that. Yet we are required to think and to think carefully and choose wisely between various ideas and behaviors. Not everything is right. Not everything is acceptable to God. And it shouldn't be to his people. We looked at the prejudice. We looked at condemning. We've looked at discerning. We've looked at the spectrum 
discerning on one end, disgust on the other. The Bible condemns the disgust end, but commends the discernment end. We need the Holy Spirit, the influence of God's Word, and a humble heart to say, yes, Lord. We do that. We'll be right where God wants us to be, and we'll be safe when He returns. So my question today, my question today is, is there anyone here who would like to say to the Lord, I'm in for that. I want to humble myself before you and your truths and to be a discerning follower and believer of Jesus Christ. If you want to say that, I invite you to stand. Father in heaven, we do pray you will open our eyes, open our hearts. We come humbly before you and we say we, we want your way in our life. We want your thoughts in our mind. We want what you believe to be true. We know it is true. We want to believe it as well. Uh, please forgive us where we have fought against you. Please forgive us where we've been prejudiced and where we've been condemning and where we have not used discernment. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please remain standing as we have our closing song. Jesus will soon return. May we all be found ready to meet him in peace when he appears.
Father in heaven, I pray for these dear, dear people. Please continue watching over them, protecting them and their families. I pray your presence would be so real and powerful in their lives that their faith in you would be strong. Lord, please hear their prayers and answer those prayers according to your will. We are all praying that you will save our children, our family members, our loved ones, and our friends. We thank you, and we pray to you in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you have a wonderful day. I hope you have a wonderful week. God bless, and go in peace.